When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. If you will accompany me, Herr von Walter, I shall play you a strain on the forte piano. It was 43? 1943 carriage and an engine and that took us into Yass and it pulled up outside the college and I was quite surprised I'd never seen anything like it before. Who played these middle-class keyboards? Women mostly, especially girls. It was a very beautiful garden there do you remember what they grew in it? I can't remember. The thing I remember most was hollyhocks along the fence because I loved them. And it was a blue stone building. I remember the building as being very beautiful. Yes, it was, and it still is, but unfortunately we're not in it. The piano was the most important piece of furniture in a home. And girls were mostly at home. A keyboard instrument enabled a girl to preserve a minimum of decorum in the exercise of her musical efforts. It was essential to a family's good repute that a middle-class girl look and behave with modesty. I don't know how old I was, but I have a memory of going to the I remember convent. the first day I went there with my mother going through this... It had a wall around it. ...gate? Yes. Crossing a gravel... That's right. ...to a front yes, door, the front and door. I think it was a mother superior who opened yes. the door. Opened the door. And yes. said to my mother, she will be with Sister Mary Madeline. Madeline. But I knew I wasn't really going to like it. What was the name of the mother superior? Mother de and she was Irish. She had the most beautiful complexion, and we used to say she was an Irish countess, but she wasn't, of course. She was a beautiful lady, just gentle and lovely. I don't like moving my fingers too much. 
When a girl plays the flute, she must purse her lips. Likewise, when she blows a horn. When she plays the cello, she must spread her legs. When she plays the violin, she must twist her torso and strain her neck. I'm sure I started because my mom wanted me to. No burning desire in my soul. I was forced. Or no memory of burning desire in my soul. My father would always say, oh, if I had had money, I would have loved to have learned how to play music. And I was never given that opportunity. I was five years old. There was Jewish guilt to do that, to make them happy. I don't remember why I was there learning the I must have been in my senior year of high school. And what I really wanted to do was to Who learn to dance. I was very young. I think it was my mother. She probably just said you were going to have piano lessons because it would be good for you. I was the youngest daughter, and I guess my parents saw me as a perfect image of a little girl with curly hair in front of a piano playing music. I live in Argentina. I was maybe four or five years old, and once I dreamed with a piano. It was a piano for my size. I was about seven years old at the, the time. The next day, I told my mother, you teach me how to knit or I want to study piano. I wanted to because I had heard her play and I had spent all my little childhood under the piano and listening to my mother play. I didn't ever want to be a pianist. Playing the piano was a means to being a better musician, which of course in my family, I don't know, was not considered serious at all. I must have been six. I think it was a time when she was happy. Maybe seven. I wanted back to there. But no more than that. And I remember being under the piano, and I remember her hours of practicing at home, and it was a privileged moment of calm. And uh, I remember strongly my grandfather saying that he wished other things for me because, in his opinion, musicians were immoral. Music was something that you did that rounded your personality out and, let's be frank, your marriageability <laughs> in a certain time. I actually never had that thrown at me. My father thought that being educated would probably get me a better husband. And if they thought that playing piano would increase my prospects, it was unsaid. In our house, it was politically incorrect to dare say that to one of the daughters. A girl could play the harpsichord, the clavichord, or the pianoforte, her feet demurely together, her face arranged into a smile. There she could sit, her pretty hands stroking the keys. There she could sit, gentle, genteel. An outward and visible sign of her family's ability to pay for her accomplishment. Of its pride in the fact that she neither had to work, nor to run after men. There's no geography in my memories. The music room. But I remember a music room. There was a big room. garden outside the music room with a statue in the middle of it. And you went along a veranda. Yes, I remember. And you had to turn left. Two music rooms at the end of the veranda. Uh-huh. And the music rooms gave onto the veranda. Madeline had one music room. It was on the left. Yeah. A girl's affinity with keyboard instruments sprang from the very essence of each. Truly, they were made for one another. So I'd go there and have lessons, and even when I was young, I remember that she had a way of talking that was very condescending, and it wasn't very um, child-friendly. 
I had a parallel life as an Indian princess. My hair was long and dark, and I used to wear feathers in my hair. I just remember trudging over to Mrs. Bush's house with both of my sisters. We all took lessons on Saturday morning, and so we'd go in I'm a group, the youngest. And whoever wasn't playing was watching cartoons, so... My eldest sister got to go first, and then so the I middle, and I was cartoons last. for about an hour, and then went in and had my lesson. We went to her house, which was very Northeastern American, and it was a sort of closed house. She never felt like she opened the window. You could smell what dinner was going to be. She had a sunroom that had been deemed the piano lesson room. Even at the beginning, every time I would go there, whether I liked her or not that day, or whether she had bad breath or not, I always said, I know I'm going to go home and I know I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to show her that I'm going to be really good. I always had the sense that we were invading their home, though. Piano was born in Italy in the early 18th century of a father named Bartolomeo Cristofori. He baptized his child, Clavicembalo, called Piano e Fuerte. The piano was in the living room. Every Jewish home I've ever been into, the piano was in the living room. In sort of center living room. I can see the wall that it was against. That was in the sunroom, so it was sort of screened off porch that was a little bit, seemed like it had been added on to the house. Was it in the living room? And it had glass French doors going in, so... It was away from the window. The window was behind. Perhaps it was in the living room. It was at the entrance. When you enter the house, the piano was right there. It was an upright piano. An upright? Her piano was black. Light wood. It's funny, I, I, I remember a lot about the bench. I can remember how the exact cushion feeling of the bench and the way you could adjust the height by rolling a knob on either side of the bench. The piano doesn't stick out in my mind as being that memorable. I just had this notion of piano, and it was just a piano, and I played on it at, at that it's age an anyway. piano, just an ordinary piano. It was a baby grand, and I have this piano now. I brought it from Warsaw to America, where I live. It's a little bit strange story because my father was a high official in the Communist Party, and he was also a general. So this piano came somehow, I'm not sure exactly how, from some German home. It was kind of a trophy. Piano soon elected residents in the north, settled into the drawing rooms of the rising bourgeoisie. It's a little strange to play on a piano like this. Any family sufficiently affluent to have such an instrument in its parlor would, of course, have a daughter sufficiently accomplished to play upon it. Every well-bred girl, whether she has talent or not, must learn to play the piano, or to sing. In the first place, it is fashionable. In the second, it is the easiest way for her to show to advantage in society. So I start piano lessons. I don't remember very well the first one. I can't remember my first piano lesson. To make a good marriage. Funny, I think of them as a group. I can't think of the first piano lesson. I don't remember my first piano lesson either. Particularly a moneyed one. No, I don't. My first piano lesson must have been with my mother when I was something like seven in Washington, D.C., in the basement of our house. But I remember where it was. And my teacher. She told me what were the keys and everything. The first thing she did, she took my hand and stretched my fingers to see if it would do an octave. But actually, beginning before that, my neighbor had a piano, and I taught myself to play on their family piano. And the mother kept saying, why don't you give her lessons? And my mother, who 
definitely wanted to avoid the whole situation where the young woman learns the music in a nice way because that's the kind of thing her mother would have approved of. Didn't want me to have piano lessons. But I think she had been in rebellion against her upbringing. But she wasn't going to force me to do the standard things proper girls are supposed to do. Of course, my grandmother found out about this and wanted to buy us a piano so that I would be socially rounded in her perspective. That was the beginning of my relationship with the piano, the non-lessons. The thousands of girls who fingered ditties at home were not expected to bother their pretty heads with counterpoint. And the harmony. study of the piano is, for a girl, a compulsory adjunct to her education whether she has talent or not. Signs of ambition or intellectual strain would not render them attractive. It was enough that they execute a few melodies. A young lady is riveted to the piano until marriage. My teacher was named Sister Mary Madeline. I adored the name. She seemed old, but maybe she wasn't old. And she had this extremely elaborate habit. I remember sitting there studying it, studying Sister Mary Madeline's attire. It was black and it went down to the ground and it had about 14 pleats on either side and round the waist we wore this cincture in which our rosary bead hung. We wore what we called a coif, very highly starched and then there was another starched piece around your face and then we had a black veil and it was a starch piece to keep it off your face. And we had a great big white stamp. It was very graceful if you were the right height. What can you tell me about Sister Mary Madeline? She was a very gifted pianist. Did she teach you? She taught me. I was not gifted. She had very big hands. That's what I remember most about her. She wasn't beautiful, but she was a very lovely lady. Very simple. She was a big lady. She was German. The name was Maya, M-E-Y-E-R. I think she might have been Cecilia Maya. The Madeline was her religious name. Many families had qualms about letting girls take lessons from male teachers. Dear God, dear God, dear God. God. Dear God, please don't let her come today. Please don't let her come today. Please don't let please her come, don't let her please come, don't let her come today. today. Please don't let her come today. Blanche. Dolores Stevens. Blanche. Sister Mary Madeline. Blanche. Mrs. Shine. Aya. Mrs. Bush. Dolores Stevens. Mrs. Shine. Blanca. I don't remember very well her face, and I remember she was an old maid. She lived with her mother. And so she was the, the piano teacher of the neighborhood. But she was not a very good teacher, you know. She was just the teacher for a girl's mother who wants their daughters to study piano. Mrs. Bush was tall and slender. She had black hair. She was a very kind woman. She was well-suited for piano lessons, I think, very patient. She was a middle-aged suburban Jewish lady. And she had very short, curly hair that made me think of sheep. I was taking French lessons at the same time, and this lady was teaching me French songs. Quand trois poules vont au champ, la première va devant. 
La seconde fille, la première, la troisième va derrière. I really wish I could watch her teach now. La seconde suit la première, la troisième va derrière. Quand trois poules vont au champ, la première. I remember she was. I remember she was very gentle lady. She was a very gentle lady. And I remember that she had very large hands. I remember her face. She had a very full face. Dolores Stevens. Gray hair. Brown hair, large glasses, not too big. I always think of her wearing flowy clothes. Large eyes. But Mrs. Bush died of breast cancer, and this was the first person in my life who I was still too young to understand anything about what that meant. I'd like to see Dolores Stevens again. I think she wanted to be something exotic, much more exotic. I studied with Blanca for many years. I didn't like very much after a while to play piano, but my sister started to piano with a good teacher. I went to a recital where my, my sister played. And they were beginners, and they played much better than me. So I told my mother, mother, I want to play like they play, because they play better. So my mother accepts, and I prepare the entrance to the big conservatory. Learning the piano exempts a pupil from learning music. This is our chief complaint against the instrument. For in what precisely does a young lady's talent Dolores consist? Stevens. Blanche. <laughs> Mrs. Bush. Blanca. Aya. Mrs. Shine, Sister Mary Madeline. Dolores Stevens. I really wish I could watch her teach now. Sister Mary Madeline. She was rather whimsical. Yes, she was. Yes, we used to find her different from the other nuns. I remember someone very kind. I didn't ever dare to talk to her too much. Because well, she wouldn't have talked very much. She was a very retiring sort of a person. Very holy lady, very spiritual and very prayerful. By 1847, there are 180 piano makers in Paris, producing 60,000 pianos each year. In England, 300 piano makers, producing 20,000 pianos. By 1867, the United States of America has become the world's largest producer. The piano is as indispensable as the sewing machine. Playing piano or just hitting some basic chords, I think that was really important. Just a basic know-how. Scales and chords. All of my friends and all of their sort of middle-class families, everybody scales played Scales and chords. Over and over and over, I can remember the scales and chords. I think I played a sort of Indian piece. Bum, 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 And there was some sort of melody at the top. Scales and chords. It must have been right at the beginning, because it didn't involve many notes. I don't remember exactly the first piece. It was a lullaby. I played a couple of triplets with the Newman twins, and there's great pictures of us at a school assembly. I'm in between Paula and Nancy, and they're dressed I identically. I think my mother told me she used to sing this to me when I was a baby. At this point, I can remember about two pieces, Kachaturian and Bach, I think. I would like to be able to play them well, or play other pieces. Have you still got your first music book? Probably, probably at home. I bet they're still in the piano bench. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to look. To get kids to like the pieces in these books, they often have little songs that you can sing along with it because then it makes you feel like you're really playing music because you can sing with it. Um, I think it goes. I am wearing rubber boots in this stormy weather. 
Mine are big and rubber too. Let us walk together. I think that's one of the first ones I played. The thing with piano is that it was very quick to actually play a piece that would give you some satisfaction. It became a language very easily for me. I started to read music at five years old. I don't old. remember, but I could read music very quickly. I knew how to read music before I knew how to read books. Musical language is part of my language. It functions a little bit the same way as speech. I speak Polish, then French, then English, and then the Russian in the back. And there is music, and it's completely part of the same mental vocabulary. I think it is the supreme language and the most sublime language. It speaks straight to you, and you don't have to worry about grammar, or, I mean, it has its own grammar, but... It's so direct, it traverses all language barriers. And I was fascinated by the piano. I, I like the resonance when it's ringing. I don't know if it's my favorite instrument. Clarinet's a little simpler. The body makes a sound with clarinet. And the body is only a trigger for the sound with the piano. But it wasn't something that I did as easily as playing the clarinet or wood instruments. I don't understand how pianists can read all of those notes at one time and play them. Something that happens between their eyes and their fingers that I haven't developed. Sometimes you find that something you don't think you've, you have, you don't feel like you have it in your head, you actually have it in your hands. That's very strange things, like magic. By 1870, one person in every 1,548 is buying a new piano. By 1880, one manufacturer alone is producing 45,000 pianos a year. By 1890, one person in every 874 is buying a new piano. In 1910, one in 272 and 300 different companies are producing 350,000 pianos every year. We were the first in the neighborhood to have a TV. <laughs> so I think it was in the same room. It was a big room. Probably it was a table and chair, the TV and the piano. <laughs> My father bought this piano for me. Yeah, we had two pianos. We had a Steinway upstairs. So it was a present, I think. And then my parents have a stand-up piano that they have had since they got married. It's kind of scrawny, and it's old, and it's weathered, and it's terribly out of tune. It's sort of in a charming way. It was way. old. It was nice. It was not a plastic piano. It was a very old piano. It was a bright piano. It was a piano in the family which belonged to my mother. But I was in the country, and this piano was in the city, in my grandmother's sitting room. Yeah. And it couldn't be moved. And there is a keyboard in this room. It had become part of the furniture. I was playing something and I brought along a very small keyboard. There would have been an enormous hole. It was the central part of the furniture. But it, does that count as a piano? I don't know. For me, it doesn't. Because... There is no furniture because it's electric. It doesn't resonate 
because I can listen to it on headphones. No, it's not a piano. But what happened with this piano is that after when I left Argentina, my sister kept this piano. But when she disappeared, my parents sold the piano. begins to turn. 1863, the first pneumatic player piano was constructed in France. Oops, sorry. Is that the sort of note you don't like? I had to practice. I think I kind of liked it. Did you practice? Yes, I did. Not very often because I didn't want to. I'm not too much for I didn't have a choice. I had to take the piano, but I think More in the end I, rock and jazz. I didn't mind it at all. So I don't think I minded the practicing either. I promised myself I'd always practice, and of course I had three other sisters and everybody was taking piano lessons or doing something in the house. There was one piano, so I don't think I practiced very much because it was always a fight who was going to get to practice. When I practiced very, very much was when I decided to go to the big conservatory of Buenos Aires. So now there I started to practice a lot. For me it was a lot, so maybe four hours a day or something like this. Pianist can practice 10 hours a day. I must say I tried to get out of piano lessons. After a while when I was too old not to have any excuse to not practice and it was too obvious I didn't practice, I would try to get sick. Every day of the week I had to go to the convent and practice for one hour. I didn't look forward to it. And yet I wanted to play. I would close the door and I'd play scales a lot. After a while I discovered there was a lot of literature in the piano stalls. And it was literature about girls who had realized they had a vocation, very heart-rending stories. I read them and reread them and I cried and cried and cried and I kept playing scales. In 1900 is born in America a pedal-operated player piano named Pianola, a pretty girlish name, meaning perfection without practice. By 1919, piano players outnumber upright pianos. Where have all the flowers gone? The girls who used to play upon them? What are they doing now? Finally, I think one of my last years, she gave me summertime from Borgie and Bess, realizing that I wasn't going to do classical music. And I thought that was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. She was able to stand outside herself for a small moment and find a piece of music that I really appreciated. I was really happy because I actually learned, number one, I had to use the middle pedal there's three pedals. I use the middle pedal for the sustaining note at the beginning. I felt like I was cool playing that piece of music. I didn't smoke. Didn't do drugs. But I wanted to play cool music. Sit in a simple, graceful, unconstrained posture. 
never turn up the eyes or swing about the body. However loud you wish to play, do not thump. Aim more at pleasing than astonishing. Be above the vulgar folly of pretending that you cannot play for dancing, for it proves only that if not disobliging, you are stupid. And never bore people with music that is ugly, simply because it is the work of some famous composer. But of course she would have recitals every season. I think I love to play in public. And you'd have to get a little bit dressed up and all of her students would come with their parents and march down the aisle and play and she would always bake no. meringue cookies. The problem with those recitals is that you would only half listen to everybody else play and you'd be thinking about your own piece hoping you were going to remember it because you never played with music in front, hoping that you weren't going to mess up and your hands would get a little clammy. After you played, you'd get a little ceramic figurine you could choose. You were happy when it was over. So there'd probably be maybe two dozen adults in the room maybe 10 students per recital. And you definitely start with the beginners at the beginning and move up towards the advanced students. There was a star pupil, and I was very jealous of her. She had long blonde hair, who was afterwards at Columbia University and brought up to her dormitory building and strangled and raped. So I don't feel jealous anymore, but she was the star pupil and she played beautifully. And of course, whenever we had recitals at the end of the year, we all played, of course, in order of our abilities. Mrs. Bush's daughter, she would just pound away. And I never was left. It was kind of like she was cheating because her mom was the teacher, and of course she was great. She probably got free lessons all the time. I loved playing in public like this. <laughs> it was a great pleasure to be watched. <laughs> and you know, you have 50 adults that watch you, and then they applause. <laughs> the tide turns again. Phonograph was born in 1910. The father is Thomas A. Edison. I mean, I can picture the little figurines lined up and how it felt to have one and choose at the end of the day. And I mean, that was a strange part of it all. My favorite was a baby seal. Just little glossy painted little things. I remember the decision to clean them out. Of course now I, I'm disappointed I don't have them. Smaller and less expensive to have and to hold Phonographers pushing pianola off the stage, into the wings, where piano and other props of bygone gentility already reside. The idea of music and the maiden is fading. I think my parents were really hoping that they could just somehow instill in us an appreciation. My mother, she likes music. My father, I think he liked popular music, tango. But it was not uh, my horizon. I think they just probably wanted to raise well-rounded daughters. It was just a decoration for a girl. My father, he thought that it was much better if I learned how to serve. There's definitely families where it's the right thing to do. A girl has to know how to serve. That was one thing my grandmother said. If you play the piano, you will always be popular. 
because you can always play and everybody can sing and listen to you. It will make you popular. It does seem old-fashioned somehow, or timeless. I don't know. It's <laughs> didn't want to be popular, but even at my young age, I thought that was a little amusing. It's sort of like Sunday school. I think that probably my mother would have liked to have learned the piano. I hated Sunday school so much. This piano she had, the piano which was at her mother's place, she couldn't play. It was a big, very shiny uh, piano player. And so you could pretend you were playing the piano. For me, to be a pianist, it doesn't represent a conflict with my family. It was a straight transfer of her desire onto me. I remember very well because I would like to be in a theater school. And for that, my mother was, you know, the idea that an actress is a whore. But with piano, it was possible to do something artistic without having any conflict with the family. The problem is, is when you go to a piano teacher who's a friend of your mother's, who socializes with your mother, it's very hard to change or to actually say no. The tide turns again. Radio is born. You can't do that to my friend. Never do business with friends. You shouldn't take piano lessons from your mother's friend either, I don't think. The father's identity is sometimes contested. Finally, Mrs. Shine kicked me out of her house. But she put up with me for a long time. Probably because she felt that she couldn't kick me out because I was the daughter of her friend. But the child's name, radio, means something like air, sound, silence. Or hearing is seeing, feeling, touching, or simply echo. When did you stop taking piano lessons? I probably stopped when I was... Of the world. Nine? Maybe ten. That I don't quite remember, but I think as I was a little older... When Mommy said yes, I... I said I, I had like, to oh, have dance classes. That feels better, because it was kind of weighing on me. I had me. to hang in for all these years of piano lessons before I could get to dance. When I said it, I felt like Mommy was going to be like, no, you're never going to stop, and like that. And what if she had said that? Well, I would have slammed myself in my room and started crying for the whole week. Yeah. It became, after a while, a nightmare. So, of course, when I got to the age of 13, I just rebelled. It felt like abuse at that time. Music sort of disappeared from all that. <laughs> and I left Washington and moved to France. And at that point, I really decided it's finished. I finally gave it up. I stopped because I started riding horses, and that became the only thing I did. When you start to work as a musician, you have to become your own teacher. At certain point, it's okay. I broke up. It's enough. With my piano. It's enough. Like with a man. <laughs> I don't think there was a breaking point. I think it happened gradually that I didn't need anymore to sit down and play. I think I don't like to hear myself playing piano. <laughs> but do you like to play the piano? No. Not really, because I don't like to hear myself. What I do is not good enough. I don't like to listen to it. In November 1920, Radio utters her first words in the United States. In 1922, her voice is heard in England and in France. In 1923, in Germany. And after I stopped playing piano with those teachers, I think that I, at that point, started playing piano. Since that time, I've, I've gotten more pleasure trying to do that on my own.
We were in this beautiful old building in Chicago. The concert finished, and by the end of the concert, I just knew deep down I wanted to start taking lessons again. When I told my mom, she was really pleased. I could tell, really surprised. It was the last thing she expected me to say. She just exclaimed, oh, she, I think she thought I was going to say I was getting married. <laughs> when I came back to playing piano, I think that I understood that I was not going to be this unbelievable pianist, that I was going to be a good pianist. And I think that I understood that I didn't want to have a life of a piano teacher because basically that's what was awaiting me. I think that piano teachers, they get a lot of grief from their students. And I went eventually to conservatory to study composition. Because I think that they just put up with a lot. I don't like to give piano lessons. Maybe once I liked when I was younger. Sometimes I have some pleasure teaching when I see a child very talented or would something happen, but it's not very frequent. Radio was moving into the sitting room, taking the place of piano. But I'm not a regret to study piano because something I thought when I, I was very unhappy and my family we have a lot of problems. And I understood that music could be a consolation. The family gathers round, curious, amazed. What does a piano say when you come into a drawing room with a piano? I'm ready. I'm waiting. If you so choose, it's possible to make music in this room. In America, and everywhere else for that matter, the piano industry is crumbling. The depression. I remember a long time I liked to play Beethoven, but now I think I prefer Bach. It's a consolation. Everything goes away. I sit down and I'm just in my own head, I'm in my own space. What does it mean to play an instrument? It's just me and the piano. It means to go somewhere else and to... I'm in the music. ...be yeah. with yourself. There were very tragic moments <laughs> lived in front of this piano and beautiful moments in my own life. In 1933, there are 36 piano manufacturers left. You have to leave this house, so one solution to find a place is to sell this piano. And I can't do that. <laughs> I bought this piano because I was engaged and my family gave me as a present a certain amount of money. But after the relation was broke, I decided to use this money to buy a piano. It's something like my husband maybe this piano, I don't know. In 1933, Hitler rises to power. The world is falling apart. Radio comes into her own. I grew up in a hippie family, but what I really wanted was tea parties, dancing lessons, and piano. So. Piano, like Humpty Dumpty, topples from the wall, his halo shattered forever. It was the state school I went to, not the, the convent. But 
I loved this convent. It was a very still place, inside walls. Everything seemed so calm, so protected from the world. People learnt music in country towns from sisters. When did you enter the order? I entered on the 5th of April in 1948. Your first real memory, like a photograph, is when the wireless says, War has begun. And no one says a single word. Just the voice in the wireless. And you do not understand. This wireless, brand new, is a mystery too. Who is that talking inside the set? Where does such enormous, such complete power come from? Taking piano lesson doesn't mean really learning about music. It just means taking piano lessons. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money. 